Let's have our Bible reading. The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke. You can find it on page 60 of your Pew Bibles. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb!' And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Oh, Father God, you, you know each one of us here and where we are in our walk with you. May we, each one of us, have an ongoing desire just to grow closer to you and to respond willingly and obediently when you speak to us and challenge us, especially when it's through your word. So I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday evening, when um, Malcolm led the uh, intercessions here, um, those of you who were here will remember, uh, he actually took us through quite a number of the characters uh, in the Christmas story and um, pointed out how we could be like them in, in, in particular ways. And when I was preparing for, uh, for today, looking at that reading that Rosemary's just given us, um, I, I felt there that the, the, the key person in many ways was Mary. And good to see um, something about her to unpack, as it were, uh, part of that story and part of what meant to her. And uh, how in many ways we ought to be responding in the way that she did uh, on that occasion. So we're going to focus a little bit in, in that direction uh, this morning. Do you know, in the opening um, chapter of his gospel, Luke goes to great pains to spell out for us the fact that gospel does indeed mean good news. It's good news. And in verse 4, he tells Theophilus that he wants him to, he wants him to know, just in the same way he wants us to know, uh, the certainty of all that's been taught. He wants him to know that these are indeed the facts, and they are facts that are sure and certain and beyond all doubt. And the climax of this good news that he wants to uh, convey to all of us is that there is a new beginning and that there is a new hope as the world's saviour is about to be born. And it's in verse 26 where uh, Rosemary began to read this morning that the angel Gabriel, who spoke to Zechariah in the temple in Jerusalem, takes us now northwards to Galilee, to Nazareth, and takes us to the home of Joseph and his fiancée, Mary. And what an announcement he makes. What an announcement. 
the stupendous claims which the angels make, which the angel makes for this unborn baby, is quite, quite staggering. You know, we, we can miss out on so much of this until we start looking at it closely. He says that the son of Mary is going to be a colossal figure. He'll be the greatest ruler that not only Israel, but that the whole world has ever seen. You know, hearing this, how remarkable that Mary accepts in humble obedience her role in this whole affair. And we can't help but take note of her faithful reaction, which stands in stark contrast to that of Zechariah earlier, who was so disbelieving. You see, Mary was a woman of hope. She knew, as did the Jewish people, that God had promised that he would send them a deliverer. He would send them one who would save Israel. And they hoped that one day God would anoint a new ruler who would get rid of the Roman regime and restore that golden age which they had experienced under David. And this deliverer would bring healing, he'd bring forgiveness, not just to the nation, but to each and every individual who turned to him. For Mary, this wasn't a vague hope, this wasn't a sort of distant pipe dream, but it was something guaranteed, something that she could rely on, because God had spoken. And Mary lived in that sure and certain hope that God would do exactly what he had said. So in a sense, Mary had no difficulty in accepting, or no trouble in accepting the news that the Saviour, the Messiah, was coming. What did amaze her, though, was that she was going to be the one who was going to play a central part in this event. She was going to be the mother of Jesus. She, fully committed to Joseph, she, the pure virgin, now and for the next nine months, was going to be the central figure in this extraordinary birth. Can we begin to think and imagine how she felt? What thoughts were going through her mind at this stage. Was it going to be gossip? Was there going to be snide remarks? How was she going to break the news to Joseph? How would he react? Would she be able to tell people the baby was the son of God? Would they think that she was crazy? Or that she'd been sleeping around with other men? Would Joseph ditch her? There must have been so many things going through her mind. And the conversation, if I may call it such, between Gabriel and Mary was pretty brief. But in those few fleeting moments, all these worrying thoughts must have crossed her mind. But in the end, in the end, her response is very simple and very straightforward and to the point. What did she say? She said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be with me according to your word. You know, this was a selfless act on her part. She didn't take into account her own needs, but she responded in total obedience to God's call. And through that obedience, God placed on offer a new beginning with fresh hope for the redemption of the world. Of course, at this stage, much of the detail was unknown to Mary and to the people who awaited their warrior king. Jesus, the Messiah, would eventually ride a donkey, not a stallion. He would be born into a stable, not a, not a palace. He would wear a crown of thorns, not one of gold. Nevertheless, Mary knew enough to recognize that God had kept his promise to her and her ancestors. And she just poured out this amazing song of spiritual praise and prophetic worship in the words of what we now refer to as the Magnificat. Listen to them. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And her song just praises God for his saving work, which is one of total renewal. Listen to verses 51 and 53 again. What what did she say? He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. This is all in the past tense. The Saviour is not yet born. But Mary's song declares that salvation has already come. And with sudden insight, she realizes the full implication of this new beginning with Jesus. And she rejoices that since God has set his saving work in motion, it's already as good as done. What a new beginning Mary latched on to. Gabriel had said to her, you are to give him the name Jesus. That name, the Lord is salvation. And Matthew in his gospel spells it out. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, God's great rescue mission was truly established. And Mary knew it. Now, of course, we can look back on Messiah's coming with the benefit of hindsight. And we can vouch for the impact that Jesus has made on our lives and the lives of millions upon millions in the past 2,000 years. But I trust that we never forget, we never lose sight of that new beginning that we made when we opened the door of our lives to Jesus and in repentance chose to follow him. Because with that new beginning, with that rebirth, came to the gift of life in abundance, in all its fullness, and that glorious hope, glorious hope, sure and certain, of eternal life with him. You know, all who place their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, are people of hope. One day Jesus will come again to make all things new and we shall be united with him in the fullness 
of the kingdom forever. And when that day comes, wow, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But of course we live in a world, we live in an island, we live in a parish where there are so many who do not have this hope. So many who know little or nothing of that glorious hope. I picked up a verse in um, Paul writing to the church in Colossae where he says, God has chosen, talking to the church in Colossae, God has chosen you to make known the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you know what he said there applies to us. God has chosen us here, the church in St. Juan, not the building, but you and me, chosen us to make known the good news of God's salvation plan. You know, I'm challenged afresh when I read those words, when I hear those words. And when I think of how we've just recalled Mary's sacrificial response to our Heavenly Father's call. Remember how she said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And how we need to respond to God's call in service to him. You know, we need wait no further prompting. What a scripture. We've just been reminded there in that verse from Paul's letter. We, the church in this place, have been chosen to make known the glorious riches. Elsewhere we read how we are Christ's ambassadors. Wow. I often feel I ought to have a plaque on my door which says, Brian Vibert, ambassador to Christ. You know, they do that in Hill Street, don't they? To let everybody know who they are and what they can do. But that's what we are. Appointed to act on his behalf, in his name, with his authority. And as his disciples, we are there to respond to that great commission to go and make other disciples. You know, we should be using every opportunity to make Jesus known to the lost and unsaved, to those who are hopeless. The opportunities are there over and over again. But we don't grab them, do we? Come on. I miss out. I'm sure we often do. And we always have excuses, don't we, for inaction. But those excuses are invariably so feeble. How well I remember uh, dear Harry Sutton, who'd worked for many years with Sam's. And he spoke about in how in his retirement back in the UK, he would go on train journeys. And he'd notice someone in his compartment uh, reading uh, a, a book. And Harry would open his briefcase and take out his Bible. After a while, he'd catch the eye of the other person. And he'd say, oh, that's... It looks like an interesting book you're reading. What's it all about? And the other person would tell him. And then Harry would say, I'm reading a good book here. I'll tell you what it's all about. Opportunities. Maybe late in the day, but it's so easy, you know, when we're speaking with others to ask them, what are you doing over this Christmas period? Lovely opportunity to share our plans with them and the reason 
why we're celebrating an opportunity to invite them to join us. Perhaps we've missed that opportunity. We've got another 24 hours, haven't we? But there'll be opportunities of many kinds in the coming year. You know, we have a priceless treasure to share. And I pray that our God will equip each and every one of us with a never-wavering faith, a greater love for Jesus, and that enabling power and gifting of the Holy Spirit to serve him. You know, Mary received what God wanted to give her. She received it with willing obedience and said, yes, that I'll do. I will. Let's respond in that same way with willing obedience like her so that others may have that new beginning and that glorious hope which Jesus alone offers. As Mary said, I am your servant. Let's pray. Oh, Father, forgive us as a church and as individuals when we lose sight of our mission to introduce Jesus to others. Take us now. Take us and use us as servants of our Lord and Saviour. Amen.